I'm Shiloh Tews, Associate Registrar Licensure at the College of Veterinarians of Ontario. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about effective profession-based regulation. I am joined by Jan Robinson, who is the Registrar and Chief Executive Officer of the College. Welcome, Jan, and thank you for joining me. Thanks, Shiloh. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Regulatory effectiveness, as you know, has been a key focus of the college conversation over recent years, and I'm looking forward to discussing it with you and helping our listeners to understand what it means. Effective profession-based regulation has been a focus of Council since about 2012. When I joined the college in 2016, these discussions were well underway. Essentially, the goal is to improve our effectiveness as a regulator. At our college, the profession is veterinary medicine, but there are upwards of 50 regulated professions in Ontario. Certainly for Jan and I, the topic of regulatory effectiveness is immensely engaging, but we fully appreciate that for those who are not directly involved in the regulation of a profession, the topic may be a little bit puzzling. Jan, can we start our discussion with an overview on effective profession-based regulation? Sure, effective uh, regulation or What is it to be a good regulator in 2019 is an important conversation and as you were saying it's actually happening around the world not uh, just in Ontario and for certain not just at our council table. Everyone is really grappling with what it means. Early influencers in this conversation uh, include the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development or in short form the OECD. They were really speaking to governments, but uh, it was really applicable to regulators more generally. And they uh, began a series in the late uh, 2000s, so around 2008, 2009, uh, on effective regulation. Uh, Another influencer was the Professional Standards Authority, and continues to be, really. Uh, But they began publishing in the late 2000s, and they're uh, an oversight uh, body in the United Kingdom overseeing human health care uh, and regulation. And their conversation really started with something that was coined right touch regulation, uh, which was speaking about how are you balanced and proportionate or agile and how do you stay focused on risks and how do you look at collaborative solutions. So all of those components and these have really shaped uh, the tools and the discussion at our college and they've caused council in t- 2017 really to release their position statement on regulatory effectiveness. So basically, if we're being effective, it means that we uh, understand the existing and the emerging risks in veterinary medicine. We have processes that identify and analyze those risks. Council stays focused uh, on mitigating harm, and we try and make the least intrusive solutions possible. Great, thank you for that overview. That makes sense. But can you help us with why it's important to make a public statement on this topic? So Shiloh, you and I have been involved in regulation a long time. So we know that uh, persistently there's a lot of confusion about the accountability of regulators, uh, both in the public, but also in professions as well. And so this is really despite the fact for veterinary medicine, when you look at it, we've been regulated since since 1877. That's a pretty long time. Uh, And it's despite lots of communication as well. And so that concept of, you know, guilds, uh, protectionism, professional self-interest, they run really deep uh, with people uh, and their existence. So in reality, um, a regulatory college uh, is an organization entrusted to a profession by government. So we're under statute, we're accountable to a minister, 
And even further than that, over the last 20 years in particular, the broader environment has really created increasing public distrust of regulators. And I, there's loads of examples, but just for some to think about, uh, finance in the early 2000s, so we saw Nortel and Enron, uh, numerous human health care cases, and some were catastrophic. Uh, in fact, we've got one going on now uh, with the Wetlawfer case. We see uh, challenges with, with uh, doctors in England, teachers in British Columbia, engineers in Quebec, real estate in BC, uh, more recently uh, the legal profession in Scotland, uh, dentists are the latest in British Columbia, and we can't forget our own uh, veterinary uh, group in British Columbia which was really fraught with regulatory capture and bias. So the question is uh, what are the challenges and, and how do we learn? And so Council has really taken a scholarly approach to this uh, to try and improve its accountability. And so I mentioned some of the influencers on that, like the OECD, and I mentioned the Professional Standards Authority. But others that I would think about are uh, the Harvard scholar, Malcolm Sparrow, who's written a lot about risk and regulation. And of course, we follow our colleagues, you know, in looking at benchmarking around this. And there's lots of research now emerging in regulation in the UK and Australia in particular. Uh, but in the um, professions, uh, nursing, medicine, pharmacy, uh, quite a bit to lean on there. And, and a lot of the messaging out of that, and I, I, I think this was really a, a quote out of the OECD work, is that regulators require a strategic approach uh, to risk mitigation. And so that's what we have now. We have tools. We have a public policy decision tree that helps us stay aligned on policymaking. We're utilizing key performance indicators that are measures about the things that we're obligated to be uh, uh, tracking and understanding so they keep us on track. And we have uh, processes, lots of them actually, now to identify risks and discuss strategy. But it's really, really hard to get that message out. That's really helpful. I think that um, our listeners will better understand what you're trying to do. But what I'm hearing from you is that we're really looking at alignment, consistency, impartiality, and how to be fair in decision-making here at the college. Mm -hmm. That's true, and you know, it's, it's really hard work. Uh, Council's latest journey is looking at how to measure outcomes uh, on the impact of our work, and our colleagues around the world are, are, are focused here as well. It, you know, it's really leading edge, but it's important to answer the question, uh, what difference our work makes to public protection? And perhaps it's the greatest challenge that we've ever had, really. It's lots, you know, there's lots to compare to in um, other industries and sectors, but we've not really directly lined that up uh, for our community, and so it's, it's a big challenge. I hope that our listeners will agree now that regulatory effectiveness is a little more exciting uh, than it sounded when they first tuned into this podcast. So, yes, you're right, Shiloh, it is exciting. I, I find it personally exciting. And it's an ever-evolving area, and that's why it's so important for Council to state clearly its focus and its interest in achieving its mandate. Thank you, Jan, for joining me to discuss the College's continuing work in regulatory effectiveness and fulfilling its mandate. You're welcome, Shiloh. It's been my pleasure. If you would like more information on regulatory effectiveness, please review the position statement, which can be found on the College's website at cbo.org. As always, the College is pleased to assist you on any matter of concern. Thank you for tuning in.